G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as the principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. Our series is entitled, The Son of God, Understanding the Gospel of John, Part 2, a verse-by-verse audio commentary, part of the larger Understanding the Bible series. Friends, it is important, uh, in fact, of the utmost importance that you know and practice God's Word, especially in uncertain, changing times. Hearing and doing God's Word will put you on a rock-solid foundation that nothing and no one can wash you away from. It is the proverbial rock, and that's why this program is called On the Rock, where it keeps you from the storms of life and brings you safely to the other side. Our particular lesson today is a great lesson. It's called Resurrection and Life. It's based on John chapter 11, verses 25 to 34. And this is one of the great I am statements of Jesus. He has several of them. For example, I am the bread of life. I am the true vine. I am here, the good shepherd and the resurrection and the life. These I am statements are important both because they tell us of Christ's identity and also they help us to understand and appreciate him more. So this particular lesson is called Resurrection and Life. It is based on this particular passage, John eleven twenty five to 34. Let me read to you just a little bit from that passage. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Jesus is making probably one of the grandest statements he could ever make. He is calling himself the resurrection and the life. So if you believe in him, even though you are dead, like in this case, Lazarus of Bethany, yet you shall live. And whoever lives and believes in Jesus shall never die. So this is, of course, an amazing claim. If Jesus is hallucinating or being untruthful, we would know that soon enough. But Jesus is the truth, and his resurrection from the dead proved it, if nothing else. And he is saying that whoever lives and believes in him shall never die. And if you believe in him, though you die, yet shall you live. This will all require some explaining. And I will happily do that just down the track. But for now, 
let's remember a few salient things here. That this, again, is one of the great I am statements. We have, let me just quickly recite to you the other I am statements. Chapter 6, I am the bread of life. Chapter 8, I am the light of the world. Chapter 10, I am the door to the sheepfold. Chapter 10, I am the good shepherd. Here, chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. Chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And finally, in chapter 15, I am the true vine. Well, praise God for all that. So this is one of the great I am statements that deserves some inspection, which you'll have in a moment. He talks about never dying, and then he asks Martha point blank, do you believe in what I just said? She says yes. She says actually a very correct declaration, and we'll explore that in a moment. He calls for Mary. Mary responds quickly. When Mary sees Jesus, she falls at his feet. Now, Mary is going to have a few encounters with the feet of Jesus. This Mary sat at Jesus' feet in Luke 10. She falls at his feet in John 11. And then she actually washes the feet of Jesus in John 12. Something about the humility and faith of Mary is absolutely awe-inspiring. I'm going to read to you now from the entire portion of John chapter 11, verses 25 to 34. Our lesson is called Resurrection and Life, based on John 11, verses 25 to 34. Let's listen carefully to God's word. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary her sister secretly, saying, The Master is come, and calleth for thee. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. The Jews then which were with her in the house and comforted her when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in the spirit, and was troubled, and said, Where have ye laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Our reading is from John chapter 11, verses 25 to 34, and our lesson is called Resurrection and Life. Well, this is, in my opinion, one of the grandest of decorations, even from Jesus himself, because we are to be introduced to one of the greatest of Jesus's I am statements. The Lord and his disciples made the risky trip back to Judea. It was to raise Lazarus from the dead. As they arrived in the village, Martha rose up to greet them. She declared that Jesus could have healed her brother, but even now, four days after his death, 
She believed God would give Jesus whatever he asked. Jesus now tells Martha and the world, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, like Lazarus, he will live again. This is not just a reference to Lazarus alone. It applies to all people who believe in the Savior. Faith begets life. Persistent doubt and unbelief keeps one in a state of death. Jesus then goes on to make another declaration. This one is the grandest, if not the most perplexing, of Jesus' declarations. Whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Jesus, who is the personification of truth, is making a great statement. While you live, if you believe in Jesus, you will never die. While we want to believe this wonderful statement, the question does arise. What about Christians who, during the last 2,000 years, they have lived and died, lived and died? So either Jesus was mistaken, or more accurately, he's conveying a profound truth that needs explanation. To me, it's not hard to explain at all. What does Jesus mean that whoever lives and believes in him shall never die? I've spoken about this in the past, and now that I'm on the very verse itself, I'm going to speak about it again. Remember, the meaning of death is not just the cessation of breathing and of heartbeat. It is separation from the source of life. When Adam and Eve transgressed God in the Garden of Eden, God said, on the day that you eat of the forbidden fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, in that very day you shall surely die. Well, of course, Adam and Eve didn't drop dead on the spot, but they did physically die many years later. However, a state of spiritual death had entered into them. They were now separated from the source of life, and eventually they would be booted out of the garden of life and kept away from the tree of life found in that same garden. Being estranged from God is a state of death. Being reconciled to God through his son Jesus is life from the dead. So all of this is said for our sakes, that at physical death, the soul and spirit separates from the physical body while the deceased is separated from earthly loved ones. Yet the Bible teaches there is a conscious existence after death for the righteous and unrighteous. The righteous go immediately to the presence of the Lord. Like in 2 Corinthians 5 verses 6 to 8. So how can a person be dead when they are with the Lord, the author of life? In fact, such believers, now with the Lord, in heavenly places, are more alive than whenever they walked on earth. This is exactly what Jesus meant. He then asked Martha if she believes what he just said. So just remember, if you die in the Lord, you will rise again in the first resurrection. If you live and believe in him, you actually never die at all, because absent from the body, present with the Lord, or as Paul said in Philippians, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So now Martha is asked the big question, do you believe this declaration? She says, yes, Lord. That's her reply. And then she adds, I believe you are the Messiah or Christ, the Son of God, the one who was promised to come into the world. She has all the right answers. Having Jesus' presence with her, no doubt, 
was a faith builder to begin with. And being in the presence of God is gloriously possible for all of us. Now, we may not see him physically, but we don't have to see him physically. We just have to connect spirit to spirit. And when God's presence goes with you, let me tell you, as Moses discovered, he will give you rest. And when God's presence is with you, he is also for you, and nothing and no one can be against you. After her faith-filled encounter with Jesus, Martha sends a message to Mary, saying the Lord has come and is calling for her. That's in John eleven twenty-eight, And there is a very quick response in verse 29. She responds to the call of the Master, which is a model for all of us. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly. When you're a friend of God, you don't just hear his voice. You don't even just obey his voice. You do so promptly. If ever that was part of the legacy of the great patriarch Abraham, it was not only that he walked with God, it's not only that he obeyed whatever God asked him to do, be it circumcision or offering up Isaac as a burnt sacrifice, which fortunately he didn't have to do, but he didn't just do these things. He did them promptly. Just read in Genesis 17, on the very day that God told Abraham to be circumcised, he and his entire household were circumcised, and this was a contingent of at least 300 men. So this guy didn't dilly-dally. Mary, a Bethany, didn't dilly-dally, and neither should we. Not yet in town. John 11.30, Jesus was not yet in Bethany. He was at the gate of the village where Martha met him. And then in the next verse, 31, when Mary rose up quickly to meet Jesus, she was in a house filled with comforters. They, these were Jewish people, many of them from Jerusalem. They came to stand with her in the time of great need. Their brother, who was possibly the breadwinner, had just died. So these visitors, these comforters, watched in amazement as Mary quickly departed out of the house. And they guessed that she was going to the grave to weep there. So they followed along in solidarity with her. This meant that they, too, would be witnesses to the raising of Lazarus. Well, the more witnesses, the more validated is the testimony. So it's a good thing Mary hung around a little bit in the house for more people to come, that more people could follow her to the tomb. And then in verse 32, as soon as Mary approached Jesus, she fell at his feet, saying that had he been there or come sooner, there would be no death and no tomb. Lazarus would still be alive. And in verse 33 of John 11, we read that the Lord was troubled. The divinity and humanity of Jesus are well on display in this story. Though he spoke as the Messiah, being the resurrection and the life, Jesus was moved and troubled by the heavy mourning he witnessed, not just from a weeping Mary, but from the weeping Jewish people who came to mourn with her. And in our last verse, John eleven thirty four. Come and see. Jesus asked, where did they lay Lazarus? Where was the tomb? The reply, Lord, come and see. What an invitation we can all offer to the Lord. When we pray and intercede, when we minister to needy people, when we face our own challenges, it is time to give the same invite. Lord, come and see for yourself. Now, of course, God already sees and knows before we ask him, but just inviting him in faith consciously 
Bringing God into the picture is like bringing Jesus into the boat. And as I often say, when Jesus is in the boat, you no longer have a problem anymore. You have a solution. And when you bring God into the situation and say, Lord, come and see. Come and see my auntie who is bedridden in hospital with this ailment. Come and see the turmoil and estrangement that's in the house. Come and see the pile of bills. We're doing our best to be fiscally responsible, but we still have this pile. Lord, come and see. And I dare say, bring God into the picture and you will get the answer that you need. Now, our lesson is called Resurrection and Life. And our lesson for life is this. When faced with a crisis, don't just focus on what you see. Concentrate on the one who you cannot see. for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.